Welcome back to Officially Unofficial. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American, Johnny Junta. And we're here with a very, very special guest, man. He is former LSU Tiger, member of Team USA. Thank you for your service. It is my <laughs> Zach Hess. What is up, Zach? What's going on, Johnny? Appreciate you having me, brother. No, like I said, man, I appreciate you hopping on this. And it, it just a little humble brag here. I mean, we're, we're starting to turn into an LSU podcast. I mean, we had Jake Fraley, who's our boy. I love Jake. He's a beauty. So let's talk about LSU. Let's start it off with LSU, man. I mean, one of the one of the most electric schools in the nation, I'll call it. What was your time like at LSU? Man, it was awesome. Um, so I'm like from a real small town in Virginia, uh, and I was originally like a Virginia Tech commit, and then uh, going to my senior year, uh, there were some changes to like the coaching staff and uh, some personal situations that went on. So um, going into like my senior year, uh, I was uncommitted and uh, ended up at LSU. Um, I don't know if you remember the name Tyler Hanover. Yeah. He was the third baseman uh, for the 2009 National Championship LSU team. So we played in like the same, like the say AAU organization. Um, so like once that happened, uh, I reached out to like my AAU coach and was like, man, I, I don't really know where we want to go to school. Um, you know, at this point in time, like you've seen kids like commit like freshman, sophomore years in high school. So for me to be like a senior guy that, that was still, it was kind of um, a little bit rare in today's day and age. So he's like, all right, man, you know, I'll, I'll reach out to like six or seven schools and call around a little bit, see what I can find. And I'll, I'll narrow it down to like five or six schools for you uh, to make it easier on you. And you can just kind of take your pick and we'll go from there. So uh, he called around and see, saw who, uh, you know, had interest in, you know, the availability with rosters at that point. So uh, LSU was on that list. So I took a visit down there in uh, fall of 2015. I uh, went to a football game. I think they're playing like Eastern Michigan or something like that. <laughs> you know, got, to, <laughs> got to experience. I didn't get to see like a big SEC matchup, man. But, you know, I got to experience enough Louisiana to know I wanted to be a part of it. So um, I knew that in there that that was where I wanted to be and, you know, committed, I think, two weeks later. And, man, I didn't look back. I love my time down there. Yeah, man. I mean, you, you, I say this all the time. You pretty much lived my dream. I mean, growing up being <laughs> from Canada, obviously it's just, we look at these SEC schools and we're like, I would risk it all to go to the, these kind of schools, man. I mean, just looking at LSU, you're watching these college football games, especially in here in Canada, you're watching these college football games and you're like, this is electric. Like if I went to school in the U S like if I, I did go to school in the U.S., but if I went to, like, a big four-year like you did, I would never want to leave. I would take a nine-year program if I went to LSU. Like, I'd be obligated to do that. So, how much are you kind of – like, how tough was that conversation to say to Virginia Tech, like, your home your home state, I'm not going to your school? Like, how tough was that for you? Man, it was really tough. Um, you know, I, I had a really good relationship with the, the head coach there, Pat Nason, and, um, you know uh, – it was really tough. My dad actually went to graduate school there. So, um, you know, it, it was a, it wasn't an easy situation. Uh, we kind of had like a, a connection with the university. Um, and that's kind of where I wanted to go like my whole life growing up. So uh, once that happened, I was like, man, I don't know where the hell I want to go at this point, dude. But um, I knew I wanted to play somewhere where, you know, baseball was taken serious at the school and it was a powerhouse conference. And, you know, I, both those things matched up uh, at LSU. I don't think uh, I don't think there's a fan base in college baseball that takes it as serious as as the people in purple and gold do, man. So uh, it was a good fit for me. And uh, again, like couldn't have asked for a better place to go. Oh, for sure, man, for sure. And we had a guy, uh, TJ Sikama. You play for, used to play for Missouri. I'm assuming you know who that is because you guys oh, yeah. kind of cross paths. Um, he kind of gave us a little in-depth perspective on what like a college game day was like in Missouri. He gave us like a step-by-step process of what's going on. Can you do that for us, for the LSU Tigers, the most electric college football team in the nation? Give us a little step-by-step what a day's like on college game day. Okay, well, you wake up around 7 o'clock, you step outside your door, and it's a perfect combination of hard liquor and uh, – throw up just emanating the air so that, that, that's the first wave that you get as soon as you you step out the door but um dude the cool thing about uh about lsu is a lot of like the the former players that are in pro ball like they end up going back there uh to train during the off season and um so like there's you always get to see those guys like it's a really it's a really cool culture that we have down there because um you get to see the guys that are in the big leagues and they're matching with the, the current players and the current roster and stuff like that. So a lot of those guys will do their own tailgates. So 
basically you get like you and your boys and uh, you'll get like some small groups and just kind of, you know, bounce around for like these different tailgates and, you know, BS with some, some of the guys. And um, you basically do that for nine hours uh, <laughs> until game time. And then uh, everyone pretty much just stumbles into the stadium uh, and makes their way into the student section. And, you know, uh, the LSU student section kind of has like a, a bad rap to like staying for half the game. Then everyone's like, all right, man, let's, let's take it to the bars. So like, you'll see like it's, it's electric for like the first half and then, and once the third quarter rolls around, like half the stadium's empty because everyone's just got gone out to, you know, rage and, you know, do their thing. So it's, it's a pretty neat atmosphere. If you haven't had a chance to go down there and tailgate, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I've honestly, man, I've never been to an SEC tailgate or an SEC college football game. I mean, I've been to Michigan. I'm a Michigan guy. I love University of Michigan. But I feel like the more south you go, like LSU, Alabama, all those kind of areas, it's like – it's it's just insane. Like I honestly, first of all, I don't know how to pace myself, so I would just be uncomfortably drunk. I, I don't know if I'd even make it into the game, man. And I always wanted to go to an LSU game because it just, I just, it just looks like you guys do it different there, man. How much of like, how how weird was that for you? Because like you said, you're from a small town. You're in, you're from Virginia. How weird was like your first college game day? Like, what was that atmosphere like for you? Where you're just like looking everywhere, like, gee, I, I don't even know where I am right now. Dude, honestly, like, it, people, like, kind of bust my chops a little bit because, uh, like, my freshman fall, like, I was, like, a mute. Like, everyone's, everyone joked, it, like, dude, you see ghosts because you just walk around with, like, this bland look on your face. And it's like, well, man, like, I don't know anybody. Like, I have no prior connections to Louisiana. Like, uh, like 80% of the student body at LSU, like, they're from Baton Rouge for the most part. Like, the, the whole school was from Louisiana pretty much. So I didn't know anybody down there. And, like, I'm just – you know, young little freshman, like, trying to keep my head down. So, honestly, like, I was kind of shy and timid at first. Like, I didn't go and do, like, a whole lot of, like, socializing and stuff like that, you know, when I first got to college. Like, the boys would go out and be like, man, come with us. And I'm like, nah, man, I'm just going to sit back here and, like, you know, watch TV in my room and whatnot. So, it took me, like, a little bit to, to come out of my shell. Uh, I did make sure that uh, um, I did roll up for the uh, home game that we had that year against uh, Alabama. Uh, because that was Leonard's before Nets uh, last year. Um, and we were pretty hyped up. Like, we were coming off, like, two big SEC victories. And it's like, okay, like, we got these guys at home. Like, we got a shot. And then we got blown out, like, 45 to 10. It was it was kind of a nightmare. But uh, that was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's crazy the – it's crazy the difference. I mean, when you look at LSU football, like couple, usually like in the past, Alabama kind of just runs the show in the SEC, right? And then last year you look at it and LSU just dominated Alabama. I mean, if you watch that game last year during the season, I bet LSU shut out to me. It just do- domination. So how, how tough was that for you? Because obviously you weren't there last year, right? I mean, you, 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 you weren't in LSU last year, I believe, right? Yeah, I went down to visit a little bit. I was there a little bit in the fall uh, doing some classwork and stuff like that. So I was down there um, for a decent period of time. Uh, but, uh, dude, it was uh, – I was actually out in Seattle uh, at the driveline facility when they were playing the national championship game. Um, so I was just, like, kicking myself. Like, dude, like, out of all the years, like, to not be there. Like, I'm missing, <laughs> yeah. like, not yeah. always a national championship orleans it's like my boys are playing in the, nat- in the natty that year so it's like damn i was i was kind of kicking myself and i tried looking at tickets like towards the end but dude they were going for like 2500 for some nosebleeds and i'm like i can't be swinging that at this point like we're, we're on the minor league grind right now so we gotta we gotta <laughs> yeah, nickel dime it a little, yeah. little bit so <laughs> yeah man i mean if you look maybe in a couple of years man when that uh when that big league paycheck hits you'll be able to just sit you, you'll be able to just soak that but not right now, man. Not right now when you're grinding these little Motel 8s in the minor leagues, man. That's and, right. That's and did right. you – and when you're at LSU, do you guys really see the football team that much, like in class and stuff, or are they just like kind of isolated by themselves because of how busy their schedule is? Uh, so we actually shared the same weight room with the football team. Oh, my God. Pretty much like my whole time there. Uh, like we didn't have like our own like weightlifting facility or anything like that. They actually just built that. Um, this past year, uh, like LaRucci had donated some money and they, they were able to pull that off. So like baseball team finally has like their own place that they can work out. But for like the longest time, like we coordinated all our lists and stuff around that, um, around like what the football team was doing. Um, but funny enough, like actually like one of my best friends from college, uh, Clay Moffitt was originally a football commit, uh, to LSU and his dad is Tommy Moffitt, who is the head strength coach, uh, for the football team. And he was there, um, 
He's actually lived, I think, through three head coaches. He was there through Saban, Les Miles, and he's been there with Ordron as well. Uh, he's like one of the most renowned strength coaches in all of uh, college football. So uh, and his younger brother, Aaron, is actually tied on the football team. So there would be like some football guys that would come over to our house. Like we all live together, um, the three of us. So they have some of their football friends over and, you know, we cut up with them a little bit. So uh, we did cross paths a little bit. But, yeah, man, those uh, our, our football team is kind of a different grade. Like the, the athletes in, in Louisiana or something else. Dude, it's it, – you can't compare it to anything else, man. I mean, you look at these videos of these football players they post on, like, SportsCenter, ES, like ESPN, whatever of them lifting. It's, 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 insane. it's insane. Like, the human body shouldn't be able to lift that amount of weight and then just run, like, a 4-4 in the 60-yard – in the 40-yard dash, man. So, I'll tell you a funny story. I was – I had just gotten back to school uh, summer going into my sophomore year. And uh, we, we weren't having any organized workouts or anything like that. But I went in to lift um, like two weeks before school and my strength coach is running me through a lift and I just finished up. I'm like, hey, man, like what you want me to do for conditioning? And he's like, well, I think the football team is running outside. He's like, I think like the receivers are running some drills. He's like, why don't you go out there and just ask uh, one of the strength coaches, one of the assistant strength coaches, if you can just hop in. I'm like, all right, that like I'm I'm naive, I'm young, like I'm not thinking any different. So I step out there, and uh, I want to like one of the assistant strength coaches that I knew pretty well was running. Like, hey, what's up, man? Like, uh, you know, what's going on? I say, hey, Zach, uh, what can I do for him? Like, you know, man, I'm just trying to get a little conditioning work in, you know, wrap up this workout. Uh, you mind if I like hop in with uh, with some of these guys, like running boxes and whatnot? It's like, yeah, man, like you you can hop in with the next group. It's the freaking receivers running oh my these God. boxes that are doing like 110 <laughs> yard dashes. And it's supposed to be like a recovery run for them, but like for a recovery run for like a 6'4, like D1 five star receiver, like I'm, I'm like busting my ass doing an all out sprint, like starting to see dots and stars. Like, you know, freaking legs are feeling like they're getting ready to come out from underneath me. I'm just looking over and these guys are just jogging, like just taking it nice and easy. I'm like, damn, bro. Like, Woo, this that that humbles you real quick though, man. It, it, it definitely does. And so, and then was that was that the last workout you did with that football team, man? Because I'm telling you right now, I would have never showed up again. No, hundred percent. I'm like, dude, I, I chose the right sport by being a pitcher, dude. Like that, that, that <laughs> yeah. ain't, that's that shit's for the birds. Like that ain't for me, dude. I'm telling you, man. I it's insane some of the stuff that these football players go through. It's electric. And and speaking about the LSU football team. Are you a pro neck guy or, or against the song neck? Because I think it's electric. I like if when uh, that plays, I want to run through a brick wall. Uh, all for neck, like yeah. neck always. I think neck needs to be the the national anthem for the United States of America. Yes, dude. That's- what, it, it, it's just like when, and and obviously I've never been to a game, but when you look at these videos of the LSU student section of even last like last year when they're singing neck, I just want to just pack my shit and just drive to LSU and just watch this unfold in front of my eyes, man. It's electric. It's honestly, that song is beautiful, in my opinion. Oh, it's unbelievable. I think uh, we we had some huge upset uh, our my junior year, and Odell Beckham was at the game, and I can't remember who it was. It was probably like Florida or something like that. I think they were pretty high, pretty highly ranked in 2019. And uh, now it's like whenever that whenever our band plays neck, like they get a fine from the SEC. And I think like OBJ like like said like hey play play the song and like I'll pay the fine like that that's like and he they actually ended up doing it and bro the whole place just just went nuts it was awesome dude like and that's why people can chirp OBJ all you want man but just to, to, to say that just to flex his money like that's when you know you have just an uncomfortable amount of money is when you tell the band. And you tell the yeah. school, like, I'm going to soak this fine. Like, I'll pay yeah. for this fine. You just love to see it, man. You really do love to see it. For sure. I mean, if you got it like that, man, I mean, by all means, do your thing. And who would you rank, like, would you rank Joe Burrow as the biggest celebrity, do you think, in LSU history? Like, that guy probably couldn't walk around campus, right? Like, there's no way he could walk around the school. Oh, 100%. I, I don't know how – I mean – I don't think there's been a quarterback in college football that has done what he's done. So I, I think it's a hundred percent him. What is he one guy? Cause I was about to ask you like, who's one LSU alumni you would like to have like just a beer with, just sit down and like, just hear stories about like their career at LSU and just their like, just what it was like for them when they were dominating their sport. Would Joe Burrow be your guy, man? Cause it, it, he would be mine. He's electric. 
I don't know, man. It'd, it'd either be him. Uh, Shaq might be up there for me, dude. I, I, I would oh. like to sit down and just BS with Shaq for a little bit. Dude, LSU is such <laughs> a wagon of a school. I mean, they have so many just legends. I mean, you have Leonard Fournette, OBJ, Shaq. Ever heard of Shaq? And then you have yeah. just this Joe Burrow from last year smoking cigars in the locker room, man. I mean, he's living on everyone's dream. And do you? Th- and like I asked you earlier, man, like, do you think that, especially how big LSU is, do you think that Joe Burrow, like, lived a normal student life? Like, do you think he could walk around at that school? Man, I couldn't tell you, to be honest with you. I mean, I know, you know, my junior year, I think, was his first year. And, you know, he had a – he still had, like, a really good year, like, his first year there. Like, people don't really, really yeah. understand that. He's more like a game manager. And then, obviously, we had, like, the Joe Brady hire and, like, really, like, changed up the dynamic of our offense that we've historically done. And that's when he really went off. But um, – you know, I didn't get to really come across Joe too many times, but, uh, you know, just kind of knowing how Louisiana is and, like, knowing how much they rally around. Like, the, the thing there, man, is, like, outside of the Saints, like, you really don't have professional sports teams. So, everything, like, sports-wise is centered around LSU. So, I mean, he's, he was the figurehead there. So, knowing how serious that they take it, I can't imagine it was hard for him to step out on his front doorstep. And I'll say this. I'll make this claim right here. I guarantee you Joe Burrow – has never paid for a meal or a drink in LSU or in Louisiana. <laughs> There's no way. If he walks into my restaurant, I'm soaking the whole tab, right? <laughs> I mean, I, there's no chance, man. I, I can't see that happening either. I'm, I'm probably going to take the take the over on that as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. He's a legend. And the next thing I wanted to ask you is, is being an LSU guy, what's the kind of – what's the football – what's the baseball scene like there? I, I look at the baseball games. It looks like it's just like the football games. Like, it looks like I want to raise my family in LSU. Like, that's how sick it looks. What's the oh, baseball dude. games like there? I 100% will probably – you know, when it's all said and done, like, when it's time to settle down, like, we'll settle down in Louisiana and Baton Rouge somewhere. Like, I, I don't have a lot of doubts about that. Um, but, dude, it's you're, you're pretty spot on there. Uh, it is just like a mini Death Valley uh, at Alex Fox Stadium. Uh, opening nights there are some of the most electric atmospheres that you're ever going to see. Like, you just have 13,000 people on their feet, like, screaming the whole time. Like, it's wild, bro. It's, uh, it's definitely one of a kind. I don't think anyone else in, you know, any fan base in college baseball supports their, their team like LSU does. And – I, this is a kind of off topic, but you are making me want to run through a fucking a brick wall right now. You're firing me up, dude. I, I need college football. Like I need college football. I need Bro, to back- I'm right there with you, dude. I, I'm hoping that you know the NCAA doesn't screw everybody, and you know we, we don't get to have that this year. I'm hoping that uh, you know they, they they pull something out, and you know hopefully we get to see some college football this fall. Like, I need to just – I need to just gamble. Like, I need to just gamble LSU facing maybe Drake University, 52-point favorites. Like, I need there to gamble LSU, though. I need the sweat. I need the sweat. I need college football, man. Like, it, it, it sucks. Like, bro, I couldn't imagine – some money on some Major League Soccer right now. You got that going on. <laughs> I'm not touching MLS, dude. I'm not – I've been gambling a little bit of golf, but, I mean, I'm not uh, touching. I'm not touching that. And I wanted to ask you about a teammate at LSU. Just the yeah. guy that when this guy walks through – campuses restaurants everything he's just that guy that girls kind of turn around and say jesus christ it's a guy by the name of kramer robertson or i don't know if i'm saying that correct what was this guy like man what this guy's the modern day font yeah he was uh kramer's an interesting guy dude he's a he's actually a really good dude he's he was very polarizing in college baseball um he's like the definition of a guy where um if he's on your team you love him because you know, at the end of the day, like, he would get some flack for being a little bit flashy and whatnot. But, I mean, no one wanted to win more than that guy. I mean, he, he was all about the team first. And, you know, whatever, whatever you know, his day looked like, as long as we got the W, man, he was he was good with it. So, um, but on the other side of that equation, if you were playing against him, you know, he's kind of got that pretty boring persona a little bit. So, um, you know, he was, he was a guy that you didn't really like a whole lot on the other side. But he was a lot of fun to play with, man. Only got one year with him, but uh, I know he's been killing it in the Cardinals organization, and uh, you know he, he was a lot, uh, a lot of fun to play with back in the seventeen. And I always wonder this: like, how did he get just a massive, massive following on Instagram? Like, is it because he's a good-looking baseball player? I like literally, I can't. I can sound like an idiot now. Someone could be just punching the air saying, "Johnny, what are you talking about? He's just nasty at baseball." But like, how did he get such a massive following on Instagram? Because he just started popping up on my live feed and all that stuff. Is it because he's good looking? I have no idea. Someone, someone answer this, and someone, someone let me know how this guy got big on on Instagram because I have no idea. Dude, 
I, I couldn't give you a good answer there, man. By the time that I showed up, he had already been like established and had already uh, kind of already gotten his like social media presence established. But, uh, you know, man, he, he's a flashy dude. I mean, it's, uh, you know, he's, he's got a lot of swag to him. Um, and that's, you know, I think one of the, the biggest things that makes him a really good player is he's got a lot of confidence. He, he showcases it. And, um, you know, I think people are just attracted to that, especially in Louisiana. Uh, you know, Louisiana people are very like blue collar and gritty. So, you know, if you showcase some of that, uh, that swagger and that confidence, and then you're able to go out there and like actually back it up, like the, the whole community down there is just going to fall in love with you. And, you know, he was able to do that. So I think that's a big reason why, you know, people are so attracted to him. And I want to say this. I mean, this podcast is a kind of an SEC free agent, and we're trying to claim a team here. So LSU baseball, if you acknowledge that this podcast exists, maybe maybe shoot me a DM. Let's get this popping. <laughs> I mean, we. I mean, I'm I'm an SEC free agent, Big Ten. I'm still trying to figure out a couple schools that have reached out, uh, retweeted all this kind of stuff. But LSU baseball, sup? I might have to quote this. Send this to LSU baseball. Like, bro, we're gonna have popping. to get you an LSU baseball shirt. And make it official. You gotta start wearing that. Yeah, on. yeah. Honestly, man, I, like if if LSU baseball wants to win my heart, that's the biggest way. Just send me an LSU baseball shirt, and I'll just I will literally wear that to the bar. Like I will wear that wherever I go. <laughs> I will wear that wherever I go if I get LSU baseball shirt. So LSU baseball, let's make it happen. But the next thing that I wanted to ask is to you, a guy that just absolutely put hitters in your back pocket in the SEC. I saw a video. I'm going to be start pumping your tires a little bit more here. Team USA, ever heard of Team USA? But what was your career like there, man? I mean, just being a guy that, like I said, just made hitters look like me in the batter's box. Like, how cool was that for you? Like, when did you realize you had a chance to go get drafted pretty high and just kind of make a, make a name for yourself in the, in the minors? Yeah, man, I was kind of like a uh... – a uh, little bit of like a late bloomer uh, in high school. Like I wasn't like the kid, like growing up, it was like the, the freshman throwing like 85 or 88 miles an hour. Like, um, like I only like played like six innings uh, of varsity baseball, like my sophomore year. And, you know, didn't even like to start the season, my junior year, like wasn't even a starter. Um, had to like work my way. And, like um, I just hit like, a, I was one of those kids that like went from, five five as a freshman to like six four as a sophomore so i was just like six four about 55 soaking wet just all arms and legs so like it took me a few years to like kind of get myself figured out and like grow into my body um but i would say like once uh like the thing with uh my high school growing up was uh we were like a, a national football powerhouse like we had like uh i don't know if you know like um Bobby, Bobby Massey was like the offensive tackle for the Arizona Cardinals, like Rashad Jennings, who was the yeah, like, 10-year running back for the, the New York Giants. Like it was a big football powerhouse because we were in like a private school league. So uh, a lot of guys would like transfer into our school around the area because we had five years of eligibility. So a lot of the guys would like come in like their sophomore, junior year, reclassify, take an extra year of high school to kind of get bigger and like get more prepared for college uh, and then go into college a year older. So I was like a junior and I wasn't starting on varsity. So I was like, man, like I really want to play D1 baseball. Um, so I, because we had like the opportunity to take five years, I'm like, you know, screw it. I'm, I'm going to take an extra year of high school. So I reclassified my junior year and I did my junior year twice and, uh, you know, started to kind of find my footing towards uh, midway through my first year year. And then like once that second one hit in 2015, I put on like 20 pounds of muscle, um, and was running my fastball up to like 92, 93. And it was like, okay, like we're starting to trend in the right direction. And, you know, I still got some projectability left. And that's when I started to get some like acknowledgement from like some uh, pretty heavy like D1 schools and uh, a little bit from like professional baseball. Uh, so that's, that's when I started to, to think, okay, maybe, maybe we got something here. Maybe I can actually do something with this long term. Yeah. And let's go back into time here. Let's go back into young Zach. Uh, when was the first time you hit 90 and what was running through your head? Because let me give you a little background. I don't think even when I went Juco, I even like eight crow hops into the fence. I've, I can't even hit over 80. So when I hit 82 for the first time, allegedly broken gun, I was going bananas. So when was the first time you hit 90 and what was running through your head? Like, damn. All right, let's go. Yeah, I was, um, I was actually pitching at Virginia Tech uh, in the fall, <laughs> and I was uh, – it was, like, my last – one of my last outings of the whole year. And, like, I got – I had this thing with 89 for, like, literally the whole year. Like, every outing, I'm, like, touching 89, can't hit 90. Touching 89, can't, like, that went on for, like, six months. And then, like, my last or second to last outing in the fall of uh, – when I was 17, 
uh, 17 years old. So um, I finally popped 90 once and it was like, let's go, dude. Like we finally got over that hurdle. Like, <laughs> so I was pretty jacked up. That's when you realize for sure. Like that's kind of when you hit 90, that's when you realize like, that's it. Like now, now we go for a hundred club. Have you been, and ha- have you been aiming for that hundred club right now? Are you trying to think like, cause you went to driveline, right? So you probably gained a little bit of velocity on that fastball at driveline. How close are you to a hundred? Like l- let's break some news here. Uh, yeah, dude, I've been up to 98 this year. Um, so I still got like two miles an hour to go. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something that I want to do eventually. Um, uh, especially kind of being a pen guy, like you're, you're looking on like pitching and stuff like that. And, you know, guys coming in at the end of the games, like ain't nobody throwing 88 to 91 mile an hour sinkers anymore at the end of the game. You know what I'm saying? So it's, yeah. you, you kind of have to have like a little bit of juice on the ball. So, um, that's something I'm going to be training towards for, uh, you know, long term. So hopefully, you know, sometime here soon we'll be able to pop that you know kind of kind of break into the 100 club yeah and let's go into off-field stuff because i noticed something on your instagram which is electric by the way because you're kind of a guy like me but you're athletic tall good looking and pretty good at (laughs) baseball uh so you're wearing a canadian tuxedo maybe a little bit of a shout out to me in that describe Mm -hmm. what went into that outfit thought because right there man you won my heart and you're gonna win a lot of the listeners heart because i'm gonna post it on on the on the twitter so what is a Canadian tuxedo, just so I know beforehand? So a Canadian tuxedo, I think that's what you're wearing, because I, I could get the shirt wrong. Canadian tuxedo is kind of jeans and then a jean shirt, like just jean on jean, denim on denim. That's a Canadian tuxedo. I usually yeah. go with shorts that are uncomfortably high and then just mm-hmm. a nice nice, a nice jean shirt. But yeah. so you were – I don't know if I'm wrong on this, but that might be Canadian tuxedo. So it was denim on denim. So what goes into that thought process? Because you didn't even know you were doing it. All right. So, you know, obviously we've been in quarantine for like a good, good bit here. So, you know, I got a few friends back in Southwest Virginia that are, that are high key rednecks. And uh, so even though like I grew up in the South and kind of grew up in the sticks, like I wasn't like the guy that was going hunting and fishing, man. Like, like I'm, I'm kind of pretty bland. Like when we get down to it, like I don't do a whole lot outside of baseball, um, which is kind of corny, but like it is what it is. So like when we were going through quarantine, it's like, I mean, only so many baseballs you can throw in a day and whatnot. So it's like, you know, once the evenings roll around, that's when I go see my boys, kind of hang out with them a little bit. And, you know, some of my redneck friends are like, man, we got to take you skeet shooting. Like, you, you got to shoot skeet. I'm like, I'm right, man, like, I'm, I'm, I'm down to shoot some shit. So, you know, let's let's go do it. So um, I got to look the part, man. So I had to, like, throw on my, my dad's 1980s jeans and, you know, get the denim shirt rocket because, you know, I, I didn't want to you know, show up looking like a fish out of water. Yeah, you look great. I'll be honest, man. Like I said, we pump a lot of tires here, but you look great. You I mean you got the hair going, the sunglasses, and what was the ski like? What was the percentage of skeets you hit? So I think lifetime at like seventy-seven percent success rate of skeet. Okay, I'm at about five percent, literally. Like I, <laughs> I was, I remember we went. So I went to school in Nebraska, a little small JUCO. And we yeah. went out to the sticks and my buddy's like, I'm obviously being from Canada. Like you rarely see guns here. Like we never, we, I, I'd never seen a gun until I was like 20, 21. Right. Yeah. So we go there and like, he just throws these skeets in the air. My buddy's just going ping, 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 just hit literally like all of them. I, I thought this guy was Bradley Cooper from American Sniper. <laughs> and then I go, and then I step up with the gun. I step up That's with the true. gun and I don't yeah. even come remotely close. Like it, it, it's one of the hardest things to do in my opinion, man. I, I have no idea how people do it. So are your buddies like nasty at this or is it just like a fun activity they do every once in a while? Oh, bro, they're gross. Like, I mean, we were doing like, we, we didn't have like the machine to shoot it up in there. Like we were doing like handheld, like throwing the disc. Um, so like I was doing it for them and they're like shattering it. And I'm like, <laughs> oh man, this is going to be, this is going to be easy as hell. Like this is nothing to this. And then like missed my first three and I'm like, geez, bro, I got, I got a lot to, a lot of catching up to do, but we, uh, Dude, we got after it uh, during quarantine, especially like during the month of April. We go out there maybe two, three times a week and, you know, just shoot some skeet. Uh, one of my buddies got some land out in the countryside, so uh, nobody really bothers you out there. We just throw some disc up and, you know, shoot some stuff and do a little fishing and, you know, do the old country boy lifestyle. Yeah, man. It's just – it's incredible, like, how, how different it is just in the country and stuff. Like, I grew up absolutely just playing road hockey, just getting in – massive fights with my brother playing hockey on the on the on the road and then you have some of the like when i go to nebraska it's like everyone just, hey, everyone just goes skeet shooting it's like a second nature to them right i gotta ask you have you ever played slap shot regatta is that yeah, a thing yes yeah it, i mean yeah <laughs> it, it, i'm also not good at that either so i'm just it's just right. a lot of things 
A lot okay. of things I'm not good at, but I mean, yeah, that you you kind of you a little bit have a Canadian culture going on in you that you don't even know about. I might have to recruit you to Team Canada for the World <laughs> Baseball Classic. You keep this up. I might have to recruit you, man. Oh man, that's great. I love it. And love speaking it. of, and let, let's get back into the career here for a second, because I wanted to bring up you get drafted by the Detroit Tigers. Whatever, four hours from me, so convenient. I I grew up a Tigers fan when I was a kid. So yeah. what was it like for you, man, to go, get drafted into the Detroit Tigers, an organization that, l- l- dare I say, used to be a wagon. You got Mag- Maglio Ordonez. I don't know if you remember that guy, a little curly hair oh, yeah. on the base. It's an electric factory. So what was it like yeah. for you, man? Have you been to Detroit before you got drafted there? Yeah, man. So uh, life's really funny. It, it's kind of a, a small world. So I don't know. You said you were a Detroit fan growing up, right? Yeah. Do you remember a guy by the name of Brandon Inge? Yeah, Brandon Inge, bro. Third baseman, number 15, bro. Electric factory, that guy. So I am from the same hometown that Brandon Inge grew up in. Damn. So uh, Brandon Inge is from, like, I'm from Lynchburg, like, so is Brandon. So, like, when I was a little kid, like, 8, 9, 10 years old, like, that was when Brandon was in, like, the prime of his career. So, you know, I actually talked about this like the other day um, uh, with some, like, Tigers media is – like my family wasn't like Tigers fan. Like we didn't have any like affiliation with like Detroit growing up or anything like that. But like, you know, small town of Lynchburg, like everyone knows who Brandon Inge is. Like that that dude is like a, a Greek god around there. Like yeah. legend like still with his mom. So um anytime like me and my pops would be like watching like Monday night baseball or something like that and like just flipping through the channels and we see a Detroit game, like regardless of, like who's playing, like like we're immediately stopping and like looking for Brandon. So uh, that was like the dude that I idolized growing up. Um, and funny enough, like from the same town, like now coming through the same organization as Brandon did. And so that's been like really cool for me personally, just to like kind of following his footsteps somewhat uh, of like, you know, being from like that small town of, of Lynchburg and then, um, you know, coming through the Detroit Tiger system. So it, it's been a lot of fun, man. But that was that was my guy growing up. And that's and that's a guy that's not talked about enough as, as much as he deserves, man. No. I mean, Brandon Inge was a freak, but he kind of got overshadowed on that team, right? I mean, I believe on that team you had Ian Kinsler, Curtis Granderson, Maggie Ordo, like all those kind of guys, right? Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that he got overshadowed by those, I, I guess, sexier names, but he had a great major league career, that guy, and just kind of underrated for sure, right? Oh, 100%, dude. Like, I always just remember, like, he for me, he's like the definition of a dirtbag. Like, I don't remember, like, too, too much. I just know, like, lights out with the glove, literally could play anywhere on the field. Like, I think he played every single position, I think, except first base for the, the Tigers at one point. Um, and, like, uh, you know, just timely hitter, like, always came up in clutch situations. Like, I think it was a 2006 World Series um, where the Tigers, like, lost in game seven. But if yeah. they would have won that, he was, like, a lock to get, like, MVP of the yeah. series. Yeah over 400 and stuff like that so it was a lot of fun to watch growing up man he's he's uh trying to try to like emulate like the, the mentality that he had um because he was just like a, again man like just a grinder you know getting after it always dirty whatnot so it was a lot of fun to watch has he reached out to you or just or like even acknowledge the fact that you're just a dog now in the detroit tigers organization <laughs> or what i don't know about that man I, I do know him a little bit um we so he played uh at Brookville High School, which uh, I played in Liberty Christian, and they're like 15 minutes away from each other. So my senior year, um, I was actually uh, pitching against uh, Brookville, and Brandon was like an assistant coach for like one or two years there. So my senior year, he was an assistant at that high school, uh, and I got to pitch against them. And then last summer, I had like got promoted to um, full season out in West Michigan with the Whitecaps, and uh, Brandon was throwing out the first pitch for that game, and I really wanted to go say hey to him. But dude, he he's so like beloved in our organization that like every executive, yeah. like anybody who's anybody's like just swarming him and, and like coming around him. And, like he's signing a bunch of uh, autographs for the fans. Um, so my like, odd, I don't want to bother him. Like he's already got enough people around him. But I was sitting on the bench, and then he came by, and he's like, "Dude, I didn't even know like you got picked up by these guys. Like you know what's going on?" So we caught up for about 20, 25 minutes, and. You know, he moved uh, – I think he's back in Detroit now, like in the suburbs. He, he got, like, a job at, uh, like, a private facility, like, doing some hitting stuff and kind of being a coordinator there. But, dude, just as – can't say it enough, like, as, as awesome as he was on the field, like, the guy he is off the field is is unbelievable. Like, he, he does so much charity work. Like, the amount of philanthropy stuff that he does is, like, uh, visiting children's hospitals and stuff like that. So, he's, like – the. the definition of like the, the perfect role model guy to follow 
for sure. I mean, he, he's a legend. Like, and like I said, I love I, and if I got him on the, I'd have so many questions for this guy if I got him on, but besides the fact I want to talk about something. I mean, you just humbly mentioned that promotion. You went through three levels last year, right? Let me, let me just, let me just ask that first. You went through three yeah, levels. That is yeah. people listening to this podcast don't understand. That is literally unheard of. Like this guy, Zach has, like I said, he's a dog. Three levels in one year. Is that good? You tell me. Just a dog. Disgusting. So what, what did you even pack your bags when you went to like a, a, a new minor league facility, like a new minor league team? Or were you just like, all right, I'm going to move up through this one? What was that like for you, man? I mean, just three levels in one year. Yeah, man. So um, because I was a college guy, like typically a lot of those dudes end up going to like the New York Penn League right after the draft to kind of play the summer and finish out their year there. Um, so after the draft happened, I had like a week in Baton Rouge to kind of get my stuff uh, all together. And then I went down to Lakeland. Um, which is where our spring training site is uh, down in Florida and worked out there for like one or two weeks, made like one appearance with the, uh, the rookie ball team and then got shipped up uh, to Norwich, Connecticut uh, in the New York Penn league. And I was expecting that was going to be like where I was going to be the whole summer. So I'd like just paid for my car uh, to get shipped up there. And the day my car got shipped there, um, we had a game that night, and after the game, I found out, yeah, you're going to uh, to West Michigan, so you, you got to pack up and, and head on out of here. So I kind of like shipped that thing for nothing, but, you know, good problem to have. Um, was able to play out in, uh, for full season uh, with the West Michigan Whitecaps, which is right outside of Grand Rapids. The fan base there is awesome. We drew really well, and, you know, that was a lot of fun. And, yeah, Michigan's a very underrated baseball state, man. I mean, when the Tigers are good, I also I obviously say this about the, the Jays because I love the Jays, but when the Tigers are good, man, that stadium is insane because it, it's a bunch of blue-collared guys and girls that just like to get after it. Like, though, I would hate to be an opposing player at Comerica Park because these people get blackout. Like, and they just love the Tigers, man. It's a le- – it, Comerica Park to me is one of the funnest, one of the nicest ballparks. You got those beautiful Tigers script, like sculpted on the front. It's just electric. I mean, why? How could you not like the Detroit Tigers? So, what was it like for you in Western Michigan? I believe, like you said, right? I mean, that 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 team gets a pretty good showing of fans, and also they're they're pretty good. So, what, how unreal was that for you to kind of? I guess you stayed there for a pretty long time, right? Yeah, so I, I went up there, I think, mid-July, and then I was there um, through the rest of the summer, and our season finished up, I think, like, September 3rd or something like that. So I, I was there for a good bit. Uh, but, dude, Whitecaps fans are awesome, dude. Um, you know, for minor league baseball, I mean, you're drawing seven to 8,000 people, you know, every single night, um, and they love it around there. And uh, the Michigan, Michigan fan base, like you said, is just really fun. Uh, it's very much so, like, blue-collar, um, just down-to-earth people. It reminds me a lot of Louisiana. Uh, so that, that's just like a cool, um, a cool transition for me. So, um, you know, Tiger fan base is, is awesome. Um, I'm really excited to, you know, be a part of the organization. I think it's a great time to be a Tiger. Um, you know, so hopefully just keep chipping away at the dream and, you know, seeing what happens here. Tigers, the Tigers are going to be a wagon. Like they're going to be a wagon. So you're going to, you, you might, I like, I don't know what to do here. Cause like, I'm very, very, I don't know what the word is. Like I'm pulling apart from both sides. Cause I love the Jays. And now, I mean, when the Tigers are just close to that timeline, they're going to be nasty. So, I mean, we're going to have to – we might see a little ALCS action, Tigers-Jays, man, and it's going to break my heart. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I, and we usually bring up a funny minor league story of the week here. I mean, we haven't been doing that last couple of weeks. But do you have any funny stories so far through your minor league career? I know it's only been a year, but you have to have a funny story about just maybe fans just being insane. Because while you think about it, I'll tell you a story. So we a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago, Matt Tabor told us a story of a fan at a minor league game, and I don't know where it was, in Wisconsin, who decided I'm going to climb the foul pole, and no security was at this game, so there was just a drunk fan on the top of a foul pole in the middle of a game. So that's kind of the stories that we're kind of looking for here. I'm trying to think. I got one. I don't know if I could like say it on the on your on your podcast, bro. I don't mean to like withhold material from you. No, it's, it's all right. Just, it's all right. I respect it. I'll, I'll say this. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you this story. I, I think this one will, will be all right for viewership. Um, so I get, when I first got promoted to um, Norwich, uh, our short season affiliate in Connecticut, um, I get to the, I have to meet the team at like the hotel and like, 
Uh, I get an Uber. I, as the team's pulling out, like I'm pulling in with an Uber uh, to the hotel. Um, so like they stop and then like I quickly like throw my stuff on the bus and we're and we're rocking a Peter Pan bus. I don't know if you've ever seen a Peter no, Pan bus. No idea. So this thing, it, it's it's exactly how it sounds. It's just this green bus with Peter Pan on the side that's like literally just like a, a glorified shuttle. Uh, <laughs> so, so we get in there. Um, everyone's double seated. So we, we pull up to the stadium. Um, we're playing in Vermont. And uh, it's just like this really, really old, like, I, I don't know if the Vermont Lake Monsters, it's the short season team for the, for the Oakland A's. Um, that place hasn't been bulldozed. So hopefully someone gets on that soon. Uh, as soon as we, <laughs> as, soon, as soon as we pulled up, like we get into the locker room, like I don't know anybody really. And um, I go up to our trainer and I'm like, all right, man, like, um, so where's my locker? And he's like, oh, out there. And he points to the exit sign. And it's like this little alleyway, this gravel alleyway underneath like these metal bleachers of like a, a high school. Like there was like a high school soccer field, like right behind the stadium. And like there's this alleyway with like all this gravel. And there's like 10 guys out there like changing, like getting naked, like getting dressed for the game. I'm like, all right, that like I, I got to wear it. Like, you know, this isn't the biggest locker room and I'm a new guy. Like, I understand, like whatever. Um, and I'm like, uh, so where do I get my jersey from? And he goes, we don't actually uh, carry jerseys on away trips uh, besides like, you know, what we have in the lost and found bin. So go on the lost and found bin and just kind of piece it together. So I'm like, oh all God. right. So I go in the lost and found bin and I have, I wore like a, like a medium Jersey for the night and like triple XL pants. So like just completely <laughs> disproportional. So that's that's my funny minor league story. That was my first uh, first introduction to first real introduction to pro ball. And I wanted to ask you about the adjustment, man, because you go from being at LSU, right? I mean, you have these beautiful facilities, beautiful field. You have a ton of fans playing neck, just singing neck in the crowd. Everyone's just having a good time, and then you have to adjust to playing in a small minor league city with like twenty fans. How weird yeah. was that for you? Was it hard for you to kind of? I guess show up to games sometimes, like kind of bring that atmo a little bit higher for you. What a good question, by the way. Jeez. <laughs> no, it was good, man. I, I appreciate the question. Um, yeah, man, for sure. Uh, so, like, when you first get to LSU, like, um, it, it's kind of show it's, you know, they, you get told, like, hey, man, like, this is the best you're going to get treated until you get to the big leagues because you, you ain't going to get it as good um, after you leave here. And it's like, okay, like, you kind of take for granted. Um, and like you don't really understand all the stuff that you're getting, uh, just from like the the pregame meals that you get, like yeah. uh, from minor leagues, like it's you know PB and J's and you know juicy juice, and it's time to roll. So you know, <laughs> yeah, no, that's <laughs> uh, so, exactly so right. That uh, that was that was an adjustment. I would say is just you know the type of treatment and like the to like uh, the access to like facilities and equipment that you have at LSU and the SEC, and then transitioning that into the lower levels of pro ball. Um, definitely humbles you real quick and, you know, makes you, uh, really appreciate what you had, you know, when you were back in college. Dude, it's, I, and for me, I couldn't even imagine how like the opposite, like a kid that went to a small Juco, no fans to go to LSU, man. I mean, you have, so, you, it just Ruth, like it's just unbelievable experience. And my buddy actually Keanu, Keanu Van Curen, I believe he played for Texas Southern. And I believe mm -hmm. they played you guys, right? Just like they would play like an out-of-conference game against you guys. I guess you guys would pay them to play or something like that. But mm -hmm. how weird do you think that is, from, like, like an adjustment from like a small D1 to go to LSU yeah. and just play all these future MLB draft picks? Like how hard do you think that has to be? Oh, dude, like we would ask like, um, you know, teams like after series and stuff like that, like um, – you know, like, what do you think of this place? And like, dude, this is the hardest environment that we had to play in um, all senior year. Like, we've never seen anything like this before. So the fact, like, when you, whenever we got, um, it, we were notorious for playing better at home because, like, it, we just have that big of a home field advantage with like all our fans and you know the Louisiana community. So we definitely took advantage of that. But you know, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, man, like Knights and Alex Fox are, are something special. Oh, they really are. And, and you're slowly just – you might have to be a recruiting coordinator there because I want to go to LSU. I want to be a 24-year-old <laughs> junior. I, 
<laughs> I told you, man, we're going to get you an LSU shirt. We're going to convert you to a Detroit Tigers fan. It's like, I'm going to get you on all my bandwagon. Oh, dude, I'm ready to – I'm like I said, I'm ready I'm ready to start singing that. But, like, I I, but you, you, you get me going with that. Like, I just – electric, just even hearing about this stuff, man, especially – SEC it just it, it's different that conference is different and I, I, people could chirp the SEC for some of the bottom feeders I guess in football and maybe baseball but that conference is just a different beast that is like that is major major D1 right I mean you have some freaks of nature in that conference speaking of freaks of nature who do you think in your whole SEC career or even minor league career who's the best hitter you've ever faced like a guy that just go, is like five for five with four bombs lifetime against you I don't know, dude. I don't know if you looked up my stats at LSU, but I did give up some freaking dingers. Or if you watch this, uh, you watch this past draft class. So like every like <laughs> no, first no. rounder in college baseball, basically lit my tits live on ESPN. <laughs> so that that, that was uh, that was really humbling. Uh, now, nah, man, just just trying to think off the top of my head. Um, Brent Rooker was like a guy that stood out. Uh, my freshman year was 2017, and for those who don't know Brent Rooker, he was like. I, I don't know if he won Golden Spikes that year, but he hit, like, over 400 with, like, 24 home runs or something like that. Like, just went off. I think he's in AAA. He was a first-rounder to the Minnesota Twins in, in 2017. But, like, dude, every single time that guy uh, st- stepped in the box, it didn't matter, like, who it was against. Like, you just knew, like, the game could change instantaneously. Um, I just don't know if I ever came across another bat like that while I was in college. It, and there's nothing more embarrassing because I've said this multiple times here. I, I've been in a highlight tape for the MLB draft. The kid just striking me out. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good night. So there's no, there's not a humbling, ex, more of a humbling experience than watching the MLB draft and seeing, holy shit, that's me giving up a doink. Like it just, yeah. you just hate to see it. And speaking about that, if you've been pumping your tires a lot, what's the furthest bomb you've given up and who was it to? Because we need to hear this. Because you throw gas, so that some of the balls probably are, are pretty far out of the out of the park. Uh, furthest bomb I ever gave up. There are some like there are some national contenders up there. Uh, uh, one that's like immediately coming to mind. We were playing Arkansas uh, last year in 2019. We were at their place. Um, number two overall pick, Heston Kerstad. Oh my god! Um, I, I made I made the highlight tape. So if you go back and you watch the draft, you actually see me giving up this home run. Uh, I put like ninety seven right in on his hands, and he just like turned on it, right center, <laughs> and like I couldn't even get mad. I was just like I caught myself admiring it. Like dude, like the the pure sound of a home run, and then like just watching that thing gaze. It was a thing of beauty. I had to give him credit. And and you sometimes you just got to tip your cap and just like hitters have tipped their cap when you just blow 97 on their hands inside and just strike them out right i mean it's it's a it's a little bit of a respect factor and are you a guy that's against pimping home runs because you kind of you show emotion on the mound i mean i love it i would like i said i'd run through a brick wall for you i'd go to war for you you're the guy <laughs> that shows emotion on the bump i mean so are you the kind of guy that like if someone pimps a bomb off you it's next one's going to be in the ribs or do you just tip your cap like good good hit I'm insulted if you don't pip a home run off. There it is. Like, you love that. Like, like, if you're not going to – if you put it in the stands, like, man, like, flip the bat because, like you said, conversely, like, you know, I'm going to pump my fists, like, when I get a strikeout and stuff like that. And I think baseball needs more of that. Like, for me, guys like Amir Garrett and uh, – That's our boy. That's our boy, AG. That's my boy. <laughs> he, he loves to show it. Yeah. Like, I think baseball needs more of that, man. Like, for the longest time, for whatever reason, like, it's had the stigma of, you know, just, you know, go about your business and whatnot. And I think you can do that. But, you know, if I'm a fan and I'm watching the game and, like, I'm seeing my team and, like, the guys that I'm rooting on, like, showing emotion and show that they care, like, that fires me up and it makes me like that player even more. So, I'm all for it, guys. Uh, you know, if you want to pip a home run off me, like, I shouldn't have thrown you that pitch in the first place and that's on me. So, go ahead, do your thing. And, you know, I'm going to do the same thing when, when I get a big out and stuff like that. That's what I'm saying, man. I mean, you're just a guy's guy, and I respect it. But the thing is that really aggravates me is guys that pimp home runs, and then when a pitcher shows them up, like does a little fist pump, that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, now it's now it's a problem when the pitcher yeah. shows them up too. It just you, you got to have both. And whoever I'm going to deem this is the biggest idiot ever. Whoever decided that baseball you shouldn't be able to show emotion is the biggest clown ever because that's how you grow the game. And and, and when you have guys like Max Scherzer who God pray for the mics that are coming up on Thursday. When this guy's on the bump, it is going to be scary hours. You're going to have to, <laughs> you might have to leave your kids in the other room, play cod or something like that, because this guy shows emotion on the mound, man. And 
it just I, I love it. I love it. And is that have has that sparked a fight for you? We have a couple more questions here, by the way. But has that sparked a fight with you with the emotions you kind of show on the mound, or like even get another got another team angry where it's close to bench clearing brawl? Yeah, you know, man, I don't know if it's um, if it's ever gotten to that point. Um, you know, for me, it's not necessarily like I'm trying to like show a guy up. For me, it's more like, oh, like I just got a big out, or you know, I just struck like a really good hitter out. Like I want to fight. And like if you're excited for that moment, it's not like you're trying to like, you know, like rub the dude's nose in or anything like that. Like you're just fired up that you know you did something well personally uh, to like help your team out, and you're just like showing everybody that. Like for me, why hold that stuff in? Like you know, I think when you have that energy as a pitcher and even as a hitter, like after after you hit a home run, like you pipped a little bit, like, like get your boys fired up, man. Like it, it can really change the energy of a game. Um, you know, baseball is a lot about momentum and like catching momentum at the right time. So, you know, a guy gives a guy hits a big home run for your, for your team and, you know, flips a bat, you know, puffs his chest a little bit towards the dugout and that can just turn the whole game around. So again, man, I'm, I'm all for that stuff. I think it's great for the game and I think we need to be more embracing about it. Just, I love it. I mean, and we, I, and I usually have a couple of guests here where I usually say this, like where I'd like, I'd let this guy date my daughter. You're one of those guys. I just want to put that on the record. <laughs> if I had a daughter, that's the kind of guy we'd want here. Is a little, is a Zach Hess kind of guy, you know, not less you guy carves athletic. You just love to see it, man. Just a, a good baseball guy. And I wanted to ask you a question about another baseball guy, because this guy was all over my Twitter page the other day for this catch yeah. made in an inner squad. A guy by the name of, I believe, Riley Green, right? Is that his name? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. What is this guy like? Because he's 19 years old. He's born in what? What is that, 2001? And he's just making highlight reel plays in Major League Baseball under squads. What is he like? Have you, have you crossed paths with him a lot? Oh, yeah, man. I know Riley really well. Uh, we actually uh, we played, uh, we played all, three, uh, all three levels that we came, uh, came up with together uh, last summer. So I was with him in Norwich. I was with him in West Michigan. And, uh, dude, Tiger Spence have a lot to be excited about, Riley, dude. He can swing the bat uh, for a 19-year-old kid. I, I haven't seen a hitter that polished before. Um, you know, the way he plays isn't like a 19-year-old. He plays like he's been in the big leagues for, you know, five or six years. So, um, you know, defense is, is outstanding. And then, you know, he can handle the bat as well. Uh, really mature dude, like goes, goes about a business. He's a grinder. And, uh, you know, he's going to be a, a staple. And, um, you know, one of the anchors for the Detroit Tigers for a lot of years. So Tigers fans got a lot to be excited about for them. Yeah, they, they do have a oh – God, you may, I mean, you just make me want to just be a Tigers guy. I mean, I might have to it, – it's so – I have so <laughs> we're, many We're going to burn your J stuff. We're going to get you a Detroit Tigers jersey. We're going to get you LSU stuff. I'm telling you, dude, I hate to keep, like, beating a dead horse, but we're going to get you on all the bandwagons. We uh, – I might have to, man. I mean, you're, you're making me want to just move to the Steel City and just work at a Ford factory. Like, that's what you're making me want to do, man. You really are making me want to do that. It's just, I'm going to get you an, I'm going to get you an LSU hard hat with a Detroit belt buckle that you can just show off to your boys. I'll just be one of those guys. And, and this is, this, <laughs> this is the last question I wanted to ask you. It's just because, yeah. because uh, people are going to probably just get mad. Like, Johnny, why aren't you asking about this? Let's end the podcast here about you finding out that you were selected to Team USA. Ever heard of it? America. Beer, bush, everything. We love America down here. So when did you find out, man? What was that like for you to be like, listen, I'm going to serve my country on the baseball field. Thank you for your service. So what, what was that like for you? Dude, it was awesome. Uh, my head coach at, at LSU, Paul Maneri, um, he was the head coach of the USA team that summer. And, um, you know, we had uh, Jim Hendry, who's a special assistant to the GM uh, with the New York Yankees. We had Cliff Godwin, who's the head coach of East Carolina. Uh, Brian O'Connor, head coach of UVA. So it, it was an awesome staff. And I was actually a draft eligible sophomore. And um, he had presented the opportunity to me like uh, about a month beforehand, like before the draft of, you know, playing for Team USA. Um, and it was something that I was kicking around. And, you know, once the draft rolled around, I wasn't sure if I was going to go or not. But, you know, once, once I got the opportunity to play for the USA team, I'm like, man, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, 100% got to take that. that. That's worth hundred percent coming back to school, um, you know, to have the experience to go out there and compete for the compete for the, the old US of A. And I actually got to pitch against Japan on July 4th. And that's like to this wow. day, I always say like that, that that's the coolest game um, I ever got to pitch. We were playing Japan in uh, the Durham Bowl Stadium. Uh, oh, my God. What a stadium. 13,000 people in the stands. And like I'm starting the game. And I'm like, dude, like I can't go out here and like 
know, something like that. Like I, I gotta, gotta be on my A game because we can't lose this one for America. So uh, it was awesome, man. A lot, met a lot of cool dudes there. A lot of guys are going to have long careers in the big leagues. So um, just awesome experience and got to see a lot of cool places. Got to go down to Cuba for a few weeks and um, get to play against the national team there. So something uh, those three weeks, uh, you know, with that team are, are the highlights of my baseball career. 100%. It is dude. It, it, it's crazy because like I told you earlier, I mean, we're, I'm pretty good friends with Bryson Stott and he sent, sent a picture in our group chat of him high-fiving two guys. And the two guys in these pictures are the last two first overall picks. Like, if you look back at that team, it's just – that team is a nightmare for pitchers. It really is, man. And then who was one guy that kind of stood out for you there? Uh, For me, Adley Rutschman. Uh, Oh, yeah. He caught me all three starts – or, I'm sorry, two out of three starts. Um, And that was just a guy where I was like, you know – you hear guys say like, Oh, this dude's going to be a stud. This dude's going to be a stud. And it's like, okay, like I could see it or whatnot. That was a dude where like everyone unanimously was like, this guy is just different. Like can literally do everything. Like can rake from both sides of the plate. Um, smoothest catcher I ever had behind the dish called a great game, uh, had a hand cannon, um, just super high baseball IQ and like for a catcher who could run a little bit. So, I, that's definitely someone that I was like, that guy's going to play, you know, 12, 15 years in the big leagues, be a multiple time all-star and be like the anchor for an organization. So he's, he's the one that immediately pops in my mind. Yeah, man. It's like I said, looking back on it, that team was just unfair. Like that team would beat, maybe put a couple, put a couple minor league teams in their back pocket. Who knows? But it's crazy to look back on that and see what it is, man. But like I said, there you have it folks. I mean, this is one of the episodes where I'm like chomping at the bit to drop because this is just two guys that just get along. Like, hey, people listen to this and people who are fans of the podcast. I mean, you look at this. There's some guys that it just flows. Like, I'm not going to have to edit or cut a single thing from this podcast because this is just two pretty much best friends just going, just jawing at it. And uh, there you have it, folks. I mean, he's going to be in the big leagues for a long time. Big Detroit Tigers guy. He's in the player pool right now. I'd even bring that up. Maybe next time we'll talk about that. Former LSU Tiger tall Canadian tuxedo kind of guy. You just love to see that. It's my boy, Zach Hess, man. Like I said, I appreciate you doing this. It was a pleasure. It was fun. I don't want this to end. <laughs> it's sad that we've gotten this point, Johnny, but unfortunately we have, but no, nah, dude, I really appreciate you having me. It was a blast kicking it with you and, you know, hopefully you'll know, be back here at some point in the future with you and we can talk up and, uh, you know, chop it up a little bit more. All right, sports are back, baseball's back. That can only mean one thing, that my gambling account is going to be horrendous. My bank account is going to hate me, but I'm excited for it. I can't wait. My mother's going to be mad at me. It's electric. You just love to see it. But besides the fact, let's go into it. New segment alert, gambling every single week with me, one of the worst gamblers on the planet. It's called Fade Me, Get Rich. Fade Me, Get Rich. Electric segment. You just love to see it. Genius. All right, here we go. First bet, Thursday. Yankees, Nationals, Max Scherzer, Eric Cole, two guys that absolutely carve on the mound. Two guys that, let's just say, don't give up a lot of runs. Take the under, under seven and a half runs. The second bet. Now, I don't like this team a lot. I'm not a big fan of this team. Some may say I hate this team. The Los Angeles Dodgers over the San Francisco Giants. Not money line for people early on chirp me. Run line, minus one and a half. Win by two, easy money. Mookie bets, he's going to go off this year. Potential MVP. The next bets are for Friday. And this bet surprised me a little bit. The Atlanta Braves are underdogs against the New York Mets. Mike Soroka's on the bump. I'm 0 for 1 against him lifetime. Take the Braves money line plus 120. Some good value there for sure. And then the second bet, I guess you can call it second, third bet on Friday, is a team that, I like I said, they're going to be disgusting. They're going to be a wagon this year. Um, couple, couple friends of the program on this team, the Cincinnati Reds money line over the Detroit Tigers and here, here's the thing sprinkle run line because I think they might hit eight nukes this game if you saw what they did on uh, Tuesday against the Detroit Tigers five home runs is that good take the Reds money line take the Reds run line thank me later or fade me and still thank me that's the good thing about this segment fade me get rich first edition let's see what happens let's see what the record is next week Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. 
and follow us on Twitter at a fish on a fish pod and on Instagram at officially unofficial pod. Thank you.